Hello, welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. I'm your host, James Intracasso. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. Those holidays are right around the corner, so make sure that you go to thetomeshow.com before you go to Amazon. Today, we're talking about the Kickstarter that recently launched for Codename Morningstar, formerly Dungeonscape, formerly Codename Morningstar. Let's meet today's panel. With me today at the roundtable are Rudy Basso. Hello. Allison Rossi. Hi there. John Fisher. Present. And Alex Basso. Hey. All right, guys. So today's get-to-know-you question in honor of our topic is, what is your codename? Rudy Basso, what is your codename? Codename Danger. That's unfortunately all I can say about that. Oh. (laughs) Can't say more. Can't say more. Give away too much. Can't. Well. (laughs) Allison Rossi, what is your codename? Um, I am going with Codename Radiant Dawn just because I'm a big fan of League of Legends and I main as Leona and her nickname is the Radiant Dawn, so I'm stealing it. Oh, nice, nice. Well, Codenames are all about stealing something cool. Yes, I made this. (laughs) It's totally me. (laughs) John Fisher, what is your codename? My codename is Rudy Basso because I do not want to face the consequences of my actions, but I would like to see what happens because of them. (laughs) <laughs> oh, sorry, Rudy. <laughs> Good thing Rudy what? has his own code name ready for when he has to go <laughs> undercover because of your actions. Alex Basso, uh, what is your code name? Oh, my code name is, is Firestorm, um, which uh, I created about 15 years ago when I was a kid by looking at the first video game right next to me and picking uh, a part of its name, which was Command and Conquer Tiberian Sun Firestorm. And uh, then I've been using it online for way too long. Okay, guys, let's get to our main topic. We are talking about the Kickstarter that launched for Codename Morningstar. And it launched two days ago from the time of recording of this podcast, which is December 5th uh, in the late, late evening here on the eastern coast of the United States. Um, There are currently 28 days to go in this Kickstarter. It already has 302 backers. It has $16,204 of its whopping 425,000 goal, which is quite ambitious. Um, Because this launched late, uh, it hasn't hit the weekday rush which we have talked about. It sounds like they are anticipating a lot of people donating to them on Monday, uh, which is tomorrow, again, from the time of this recording. Um, So essentially some of the big ticket items that are within this Kickstarter, which of course we'll have the link to in the show notes, are that uh, at launch, it's going to support the Pathfinder SRD content, which is all of the open license content, which says that uh, they have not made a deal with Paizo. Um, perhaps they are working on it. Perhaps they aren't. We don't know. They haven't said anything about that. But there is a lot of open content out there for Pathfinder already. They say, go on to say they plan to support other games. If you look at their Twitter feed, it sounds like they're going after 13th Age, who also has some open game content. Uh, you know, Fate has open game content. And they do say that 
they would love to support 5th edition once they get a look at the OGL and know really what the details of that are. So all of that being said, it looks like they're planning on launching most of this thing in 2015 April is when you know they'll they'll be able to support play and character creation and all that sort of thing for Pathfinder and then it sounds like moving forward in August of 2015 they plan on having this forge where you can build a lot of your own game content uh, within there. It sounds like there's going to be chances for them to put all kinds of crazy adventures and that sort of thing. Um, and we'll get into what it hints at the pricing model for this will be once it does launch. But for now, I want to talk about that $425,000 figure. That is huge. And certainly RPG Kickstarters in the past for things like miniatures and the Exalted have exceeded that. But uh, it's still quite ambitious. And we're not talking a lot of things for tabletop games that have exceeded this. Rudy Basso, what do you think of this goal? I think it's, I think it's crazy. <laughs> I have no idea. First of all, I don't, I don't know where the money would go. You know, they talk about how they already have the outline made that... This uses their trapdoor story machine technology. Why do you need $425,000 if it's already mostly programmed? I'm, I honestly am, have no idea where all this money would go. This is the amount of money that you could use to make a, a video game. A fully, uh, Yeah, I'm just baffled by, by this amount. They don't break it down at any point in their, uh, in their, their Kickstarter video or or description either so that's the main question i have is why is this so why do they want so much money yeah i think that is certainly a good question and certainly backers you know like to be informed about where that money is going they've said you know hey we want to make something really really quality and i think they still want to implement a lot of the feedback they got from their you know, open beta testing and things like that. And I think they they need a lot of hands on deck to do that. So that would be my only guess about where that money is going. But you're right, if if a lot of it's complete, why do you need so many hands on deck? I think is a is a good question and a fair question to raise. They they're not going to be launching until April. I mean, I, I do understand Rudy your 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 criticism there, but I don't know how many uh, employees they have. If they're launching in April, that's five months. If they're then they have the forge in July, and I think the forge is the part that wasn't ready at all mm-hmm. back back when they were you know creating the skeleton for this. If they need to fund twelve people doing this, I don't I don't know if that's what they need. I'm just like speculating. That doesn't seem like a crazy number of people to me. And at the same time, depending on how much they pay their employees, like that that right there could add up to that much money. I, I agree. It's a I mean it does seem like a lot of money, and I don't know what it would be going to and it's possible it wouldn't be going to that but it's not crazy to me from a a a creator standpoint from a backer standpoint it might be crazy john do you think they'll be able to make this goal uh i would i mean i i I think probably not um rudy knows more about kickstarter than i do but rudy what do you think i don't think they're gonna hit their goal at all i think um you know the first 24, 48 hours are usually very indicative of how how it's going to go, whether it's going to blow up immediately um, or not. And they've hit uh, less than 10%. I don't know how much. I don't have the math in front of me. 
but they've hit sixteen thousand as of our recording, and um, I don't think I don't think it's possible. The thing is, you know, you talk about the miniatures, James, and RPG products. That's something you can like hold in your hand, and every time you back that at a certain level, you know you're going to be getting a bunch of miniatures, and those are premium products to begin with. People who love miniatures know that they're expensive, and that helped builds towards their uh their goal with codename morningstar you you put 20 or 25 dollars in to get access to pretty much everything um there's no real incentive to go after the higher level uh reward tiers as far i mean you can get the cthulhu doll which is cute but um i don't i mean i don't see anyone putting up a thousand dollars or someone did but I don't see a lot of people putting in a lot of these higher tier options. Allison Rossi, what do you think about this amount? I I really have mixed feelings about the amount that they're asking for. 425000 is a very, very, very large goal, especially after kind of the issue they had with, with Wizards of the Coast. Um, I'm guessing some of the money potentially is going to pay people because of this this issue where they they kind of lost a contract with wizards um so maybe you know they didn't get paid for it because they didn't deliver i don't really know how that worked and i don't think they've talked about that um and i guess also just the fact that some of the money would be used for making this cross-platform so hiring the different developers that's needed for android devices apple devices uh, computers phones whatever it may be um, I was kind of going through Kickstarter and looking at their their successfully funded um, tabletop gaming related projects, and you know there are some of them that that raked in a lot of money, like Dwarven Forge. Uh, you know their their cave thing pulled in like two million dollars. Uh, Hero Forge pulled in three hundred sixty thousand for their uh, their custom minis. Reaper Miniatures pulled in like three point five million. So I definitely see it as as a possibility of of bringing in that much money. But how I guess it also depends on how confident the consumer is in in their ability to deliver this this product. Um, since you know there was obviously issues with with Dungeonscape, so I guess. We'll see how well they do. I don't know, though. Sure. Well, and if you ask the people at Trapdoor, they'll say that the issue that came up was about sort of the way the product um, was going to work and not necessarily their own progression. That, you know, that everything was ready to go for iOS and they were there ready to launch with the 5e version and that it was just a differences of opinion about what the product should do and, and how it should be used. Um, you know, and I think we, Rudy's right. The, everything we've mentioned so far, as far as tabletop goes, is a miniature, you know, that has been developed. There are certain other things. Exalted brought in $684,000, you know, so there are things out there, but this is still very ambitious for this product. Uh, for my money, like, if it is going to be able to support all of the different RPGs and everything, it does seem like a thing worth getting, and it seems like a thing I would want to see made. And I believe Trapdoor when they say they want to do it, but it's also like, oh, but can you? Are you going to be able to, if you get all this money, be able to do that? And that is the one thing that certainly leaves me a little leery. Alex Basso, what do you think about this amount of money? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to agree with everyone else here. I think it's it's a really, really high amount to be asking for initially. Um, 
and like you just said, it's for software. It's just like it's such a a risk. Uh, you know, if this is a company that uh, they haven't really done anything. Um, you know, in in the role playing world, uh, and you know, it could easily be buggy, could be delayed. They even mentioned, you know, in the risks, you know, it could always be delayed. And I, I don't know, just I feel like Kickstarter in general, um, like, you know, a couple years ago was like the big push of, you know, video games starting with uh, like Double Fine and their adventure game. And it's just been overloaded with like new games, I feel like, every week. And a lot of games have failed or, you know, even Double Fine themselves, they never even uh, fully hit you know their estimated ship time for their games and i feel like kickstarter in general might be people are a little more wary of uh of backing software uh straight out the gate and the other thing is you know 425 is really high i'm surprised there's no like stretch goals or anything i mean i know they can always add those in later but i'm surprised that they didn't maybe like lower their initial amount of 425 and maybe turn things because they list all their modules why not just have like the forge as a stretch goal, and I mean I know that's probably a big part of their business model, but you know if they don't hit four twenty five, is that the end of you know Codename Morningstar? Is that going to be it? Um, so I'm surprised they didn't kind of lower their their requirement and make uh, some other some of these features optional, uh, just so they could definitely get a product out. But I guess I admire the fact that they they don't want to release their product if it's not you know full featured. You know, we mentioned these other Kickstarters that have exploded, but they all started, uh, their goal was initially very low. Reaper was only $30,000. Exalted was only $60,000. I think that by setting it so high, they might be scaring off potential backers because someone will be like, well, what's the point? They're not going to hit $425,000. I shouldn't even bother backing them. Whereas if it's already hit $30,000, it's like, oh, nice, I can get on this and get some of the stretch goals or what have you contribute towards stretch goals. They're really setting the bar so high by setting their goal at 425. I mean, even if they hit 40, then they would have that guaranteed 40 in their pocket. But at 425, it's just, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it must've been a hard decision for them to make, but I don't, I don't know that it was the best decision. So let me ask you guys a question then. When you read over the product itself and sort of what their plan is and all of the various systems they're planning on supporting and that it sounds like there's a big chance for the indie community and for the homebrew creators to get their stuff out there and share it on this platform, is does it seem like the product is something you guys want? Not paying attention right now to the reward levels and everything on Kickstarter. If this was a thing that was out there and available and it did actually support all of the various game systems and you could grab, you know, the the different adventures and stuff in there, is it something that you would want? Uh, Allison. I think it's kind of a, a great idea to allow the community to to put out their content out there, especially because uh, when I was at Gen Con, I went to a, a talk from Paizo talking about how you could eventually write for Paizo. And one of the things that they really stressed was basically doing work for free and putting your work out there to get your, your name known. So I think that could be a good way to kickstart people in in the RPG community to, to write things perhaps later on for money. Um, so that's great. But I, I also feel like people doing things for free really depends on how many people they could get interested in that. A lot of people want want money for for their product that they're going to put out there um, just because 
with a module, you often dedicate a lot of time and, and effort to this. So I'm interested to see how that, that library uh, bit will go. Should be interesting if it works out. <laughs> it does say in the one of these boxes here on their Kickstarter page uh, for the game designer portion, which I don't know if that's part of the forge or not. I, I sh probably should know that, but uh, in any event, the, the one of the things is the it says share with your friends or publish of the world, and the next line says earn royalties. So presumably, you could you know it, it's essentially a, a self publishing thing where you would be paid not by them directly maybe, but by people. Uh, if people want your product, then then yeah, you would get paid for it. So hopefully that's that's the case. Oh, and I mean, and also hopefully that answers your concern. But obviously that's that's all the detail I'm seeing here. So. Yeah, it says for, for game masters and then for game designers. So, I mean, yeah, okay, perhaps then they can earn money for it. I'm, I'm interested to see how they'd do that, if they'd just do a percentage of the sale or, or how they'd figure out how to pay people for their adventures. That could be interesting. Uh, I mean, I'm actually reading in the, uh, the FAQ that you can actually, so how they're going to do it is you submit your content to Trapdoor and um, they will then publish it for you. Then they'll share a percentage of the revenue with you, so... I mean, it's, it's, you know, and it's, I think it's the fifth question under the fact. I mean, it'll all go through them. And that's interesting. And I really like that, you know, people can you work hard on your, your, uh, your content. You can hopefully you know, make some money off of it. But it, it does also mention that uh, if the community likes what they see, so maybe they'll do something like Steam Greenlight, where they'll put up adventures and people can vote on them. Uh, and depending on you know the the reception, they'll then publish them. Uh, John Fisher, what do you think? Is this a product that you would want if it is fully completed and realized as they describe? Well, I mean, yes, but I don't like right now. It's uh, as they describe it. It's just going to be for Pathfinder with more systems coming later, uh, and then if the OGL for Five E allows it, they would probably release for Five E as well, which makes sense because that's what they started. Uh, working on but at the same time i i would wonder if the ogl wouldn't allow for something like this for that very reason and right now the systems that i play in are either uh dead systems or they are 5e so uh, i don't know uh it, it, it would depend on that i mean i'm not really a pathfinder guy i guess if i had the opportunity to play in a pathfinder game maybe but um i don't and i don't know what the demographics are like um, I know the Pathfinder is is up there, but I don't know if uh, you know. I, I don't know if people are leaving that to go to five year or whatever. I'm, others might know more than me on that. Yeah, I think right now it's it's probably too early to tell what is you know what's winning in in that arena. And I do think you're right that when an OGL comes out, because Wizards is planning on still putting out their own fifth edition digital support, although we have no idea what that is at the moment, that it could prohibit something like Codename Morningstar from picking up their their stuff and, and making it. So has anybody here uh, used Hero Labs? I've never used it, but uh, and I don't know how much of that overlaps with what Morningstar is projected That's their to character be. builder, right? Yeah. yeah, but is there anything else to that? I mean, I, I, I'm speaking from ignorance. I really don't know. So Hero Lab uh, does do a few of the things it sounds like Pathfinder is going to do. And that's one of the, the, you know, that's some of the comments that I've seen on the web and that kind of thing is, I already have Hero Lab. I really don't need what Codename Morningstar is bringing. Although they claim that they're bringing a 
more unique and more integrated into your game experience and service of the story. Um, so it would be interesting to pose that question to them and say, how are you guys different from Hero Lab? I would be interested in hearing that as well. Because I do think for Pathfinder and for all the other games that are supported by Hero Lab, it's, it's going to be hard to tell. Alex Basso, would you want this product fully realized uh, if it ever gets there? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, really, the big thing for me is the pricing. So, I mean, just looking at uh, purchases you could buy, you could buy, you know, for Game Master or for Player. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they do mention in the video, you know, easily look up rules. But when I'm looking under what you get when you purchase it for a player, which is the $25 or $20 of your early uh, level at the moment, uh, it doesn't mention, like, looking up rules. So, like, does that mean I would have to buy the player module, then buy a, you know, I'd have to then buy the adventure book that I'm interested in, which could be anywhere from another 20 to, who knows, $40? Uh, I mean, it seems like a big initial investment, and I don't know if it's something I really need all that much at this moment. Um, you know, as someone who plays online anyway and really likes their current, uh, you know, Rule 20, I, I really enjoy that. It, it's useful for me. Um, I mean, the one thing I do think it sounds the coolest is the Forge to see all this, uh, you know, custom content put out, um, possibly at, you know, much lower prices. Unless, you know, then again, Trapdoor does say they want to control it all, so maybe not. It's, I mean, it's really, I, I, this is something I'm not going to buy now. Like, I, I wouldn't purchase it until I f- see every pricing option available. Because, you know, with the digital content, I'd like to save money. And my initial kind of reading of the Kickstarter doesn't seem like it, it, it's guaranteed to be a cheaper option. So, you know, not decided yet would be my answer on that. Rudy Basso, if this thing were fully realized, would you want it? Probably not. Um, mostly because I'm still not quite sure what it is. Uh, they're speaking the same vagaries that they were back when it was Dungeonscape. Uh, I guess it, it, you know, it allows you to communicate with other players and look things up and create a character, but I don't necessarily see the need to all of that. Yeah. I, I don't know that there's anything that really jumps out to me as, as necessary here. I, I also very, very much like roll 20 and we've recently been using our role play online, which is great. And Obsidian Portal is out there and is also a really great tool that everyone can use together. So uh, I don't know that this would work. Plus, it seems like they're really pushing towards an actual in-person tabletop companion. Like, this would be great for people who play live. I don't know that I would be a great fit for it. You know, one thing I can say, Rudy, is that uh, you had mentioned that they're speaking in the same vagaries as before, but they actually have pricing information. It's not exact pricing information, but they do say that the pricing is going to be along the lines of the Kickstarter backing levels. So that's at least something. Unfortunately, I think it's uh, a little expensive if, if it's actually going to be 25 and 30 or 25 and 40 uh, for the player version and the, and the GM version. Yeah, that's unfortunately probably more than a, it's more than I would pay probably, but uh, it would really depend on what, is, what, what they make available. Uh, which we can't really know until something is done. Sure, and to Alex's point about searchable rules, if they're if they're working with open gaming license things and SRDs and that sort of thing, all of that information is already online and and searchable. I do think that one of the big draws 
for me, looking at it is like, oh, you're going to have access to all of these really cool adventures that are coming up, which which to me, that's like, oh, man, a whole library of stuff that people have created and that sort of thing that that they've put out would be pretty cool to scroll through and, and look at adventures and take those on. I mean, the one thing is it doesn't specifically say when listed under players, mm-hmm. searchable rules, but it does under Game Master, which is why I kind of brought that up. That is that I'm just not sure if that's something players get with their $25 initial purchase. Um, so that that's kind of what I was worried about because that would be disappointing if you know I, I did pay 25 bucks and didn't get the search rules. Sure. Well, actually, let's talk about that a little bit, right? Let's talk about the different reward levels that exist and all of the sort of extras that you can pay for that are out there. Um, it looks like their pricing scheme, as John mentioned, is very similar to what it would be if you were going to pay for these things, you know, normally, uh, which does look a little pricey. Essentially, the reward is that you get the product and then you can pay more for some other things. Uh, we've mentioned, you know, that there is the uh, demonic doll of unverified cuteness, which is this handmade Cthulhu type thing. You can get a copper plated Kickstarter coin. Um, and if you're willing to throw in an extra thousand bucks onto your pledge, they guarantee that they will, you know, in a first come first serve fashion, publish and edit you an adventure for you. Um, you know, which I think is actually, that is a really, really cool reward. And obviously it's at a high price point because they don't want to be inundated with a ton of adventures, but you know, it's a thousand dollars in addition to whatever else you are uh, pledging to get the product. Um, you know, uh, it's something uh, that I would even consider, but I'm not a, a big Pathfinder guy. Um, but if we did have the guarantee of 5e, it might be something that I would consider. What do you guys think of these different reward levels? We've touched on them a little bit, but let's really get into it. Uh, John? Well, so looking at it, if I was looking at this before anyone had ever pledged, I would have said uh, it's unlikely that anybody's going to back anything above 120 but i was wrong um because uh, they've all all of the really high level ones have been backed by at least somebody um i do think the the quill of storytelling uh amount that the thousand dollar reward uh is interesting for for all the reasons that you listed it's it's going to verify that people uh are serious about making a good adventure because otherwise they wouldn't spend a thousand dollars um it also gives an indication that you know they're looking to do uh about uh, for or maybe an adventure every week, the limit that they put there of 12 per quarter. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, copper plated coin for $15. I'm not, yeah, it's not really anything that I'm interested in. Uh, the doll of unverified cuteness. I'm getting my kids soon. So maybe that would be uh, good. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about Cthulhu dolls and babies. Well, we'll I guess we'll find out. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, depending, I, I could see people really liking the, the canvas of uncanny likeness. If you really want, like, if you have a cool character concept that you want drawn, like, and they'll, they'll make it a, a picture for you. Staff of traveling. I don't know, because, uh, I know that the, that Chris Matney has a decades of gaming experience, but I don't know if he's ever published anything or not. So I don't know what his gaming style is like, but that could be cool. If I was going to Gen Con next year, yeah, I probably won't be. Because of aforementioned baby, but nonetheless. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think that there certainly are some cool 
rewards here and certainly the fact that you get the product you know i think is probably enough for a lot of people alone to back because if you're backing it that's probably why you want you want to see this thing made Um, right and that's why i mean most of the backers are are doing that right i mean uh it's the vast majority of them are are getting just the game or the game master version Mm -hmm. not the game just just the product or the game master version of the product alex basso I like the the rewards. I feel like there really aren't that many. I'm used to seeing a lot more. Maybe maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I've only seen the the best Kickstarters ever. I, I mean, I like the 125 dollar. You know, buy for your whole group. That's a nice value. Um, one that kind of sticks out to me is the the game store owner uh, tier, which is 125 dollars, and they mention the Morningstar Proprietors Guild. Uh, which I don't think I've seen anything else about in this entire, you know, web, this entire page. So, I mean, it, it seems like it's something that'll, you know, help out with uh, organized play, but, uh, you know, there's no information anywhere else. Two sentences on it in one of their reward tiers, but no actual further explanation. Um, but the the $1,000, I mean, that could, like you were saying, James, you were kind of interested. That could, you know, potentially, you know, maybe, maybe you'll make money off that. You get something published. It's one of the first initial adventures on their you know their forge content and people are buying it and now you're you're a full-fledged game developer life-changing also um in one year of adventures that could potentially be really good value i mean again like i said you gotta wait for pricing but you know if they're 20 bucks a month a year of adventures pretty good rudy you are somewhat of a Kickstarter aficionado. You've donated to many various Kickstarters and seen a lot fail. You've seen a lot succeed. What do you think of these various reward levels? Everyone puts different value on things. For this, I feel like if you want to back at $100 and get the doll, you also really want to help Trapdoor Technology because you can go on Etsy and find a Cthulhu doll for $15. If you want to get a picture of someone drawing your favorite character, you can go on DeviantArt and get it for a lot less than $200. So no one's probably going to be backing this to get the cool bonuses. You also really want to support Morningstar. Um, Save for maybe that $1,000 level. That's a a good in. Again, depending on how popular Morningstar is, um, it's great if your, your adventure is featured, but if there's only... Uh, 304 people who actually have access to Morningstar, then it, it doesn't really help that much. I'm surprised there's no like t-shirt tier or poster tier. Allison, what do you think of these reward levels? Um, I'm going to kind of agree with basically what everyone else has said. Um, most of these aren't going to be that relevant. Um, a lot of things you could get elsewhere for, for potentially cheaper. Um, I definitely would have liked to see, you know, a t-shirt or a poster like Rudy just said. Um, I feel like that's something that would be more more interesting for me um, versus versus you know assuming that people are going to be going to Gen Con or assuming that you know people are going to want to add on that extra thousand dollars for for having their their adventure published. I don't know, maybe it might help people that want to get published and and be seen more, or maybe not because how many people are going to actually use this app in the end? You don't really know, so maybe only you know, a few thousand will use it versus, you know, a huge amount of people. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how worth it they all are. It just seems compared to other Kickstarters I've seen, it's the, the rewards don't seem to, to match up to what I expect to see. Yeah. Well, it's funny because to me, it seems like they're, you know, a lot of what it is, is like 
give us the money now and we guarantee you get the product. And if the prices are actually going to be close to what they are, it's almost like a pre-order, right? Um, which yeah. I think a lot of Kickstarters, you know, that's that's part of the benefit is the pre-order. And then as Rudy said, you know, you, you also have that, if you have that sort of PBS mentality of pledging more because you want to see the product take on and then you get something smaller in return, like a Cthulhu dollar, that sort of thing, it's there. And then the you know, the big incentive of a thousand bucks to have your adventure on this thing, which if it makes its goal is going to be wildly popular, um, you know, I I think is also something. I definitely think they're, they're missing kind of free advertising though. Like if some of the rewards were bumper stickers, uh, coasters, t-shirts, posters, um, you know, DM screen, something like that. Like that's free advertising for them and people like those kind of things. So I don't know why you wouldn't try and give something to people and then they just advertise. They are your billboard to get the word out about your product versus, you know, if you're using it on a tablet, it's not like you're going to see, you know, that they're using codename Morningstar. You, you know, you might see that they're using an app and you might ask them, but it's not specifically saying like, here's a t-shirt with our name plastered on it. Yeah, it helps get your own name and the word out there, certainly. Um, You know, and especially if this is going to continue to be a product that people are going to pay for. And I think we should talk a little bit, actually, about pricing. Like John said, they're not sure what exactly the pricing model is going to be yet, but that you can get a little bit from looking at, you know, it will probably be equivalent to the pledge levels. So what's interesting to me is that it seems like there's sort of multiple pricing models here. It looks like you pay for the product and then it looks like within the product there are transactions where you can pay for adventures and that sort of thing and then it looks like if you want to use the forge there's a subscription fee just for the forge seems like it's going to be a lot of money to use codename morningstar if you want to you know if you're a dm and you want to build adventures in it and you also want to buy pre-written adventures in it and you want to you know have the trapping so you can actually use it and play it you could be paying a lot of money uh, for different adventures and for the subscription fee and for the initial product itself. Uh, did you guys get that impression looking at the Kickstarter that that's sort of the the plan for this thing? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, honestly, it makes me just think so much of Steam. It, it seems like it wants to be a platform for selling and trading and, well, maybe not trading, but, you know, sharing, uh, you know, all this you know, it's something that you're gonna you're gonna buy it initially, and then you're gonna need to continue to buy content for it. Um, so it's gonna have a high price, and it's you know people are gonna spend a lot of money on it. But assuming know, actually people use the forge and put content in, right? I'm but, so, I, I'm wondering if no one does that, how much content Morningstar would have? You know, actually, uh, you know, either converted or pre- prepared for it. Well, and I think they have people they're actually already tapping to create stuff. You know, it sounds like they're already Mm -hmm. talking to indie developers and that sort of thing. So they have adventures ready to go at launch. Do you, you don't pay for Steam initially, right? No, you don't. That's what I'm saying. This seems like Steam, but an initial investment is required. Rudy, what do you think? I think it's kind of a failing of the Kickstarter that we're sitting here going, I think this is how pricing is going to work. Um, I also agree that purchasing access to so a product and then having to put 
a subscription fee on top of that is going to be hard to, um, I guess, justify to a lot of people, especially since the thing most people seem most interested in is the Forge. I want to play with the Forge the most, but then to put a paywall up in front of that is further off-putting. So I'm not sure that uh, the investment is worth it um, in terms of what they're offering. Uh, Allison, are you getting the idea that this is how the pricing model is going to work? Truthfully, like I, I can't figure it out. Um, I, I definitely think this is is bad, though, that we can't really figure out, like pinpoint how they're going to do their pricing. Um, it's not just put up up front telling me, okay, once you pay for this, you also additionally have to pay for this and this, or is it just going to be one flat fee? Or you know, I, I need to know these things before I decide to put my money towards something, especially when they're asking for four hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. I just feel like they're they're lacking a lot of things on their Kickstarter page, and their their five or seven minute video is just not enough to explain the the questions that we have. Like there are things that lead us to ask questions, and it's not just that we have questions that didn't get answered. It's you read this and you think, oh, well, what does that mean? I I wonder if part of the money that they're asking for would actually like be going to quote unquote figure those things out. I don't know if uh, they've got like a business guy or if they've got like a, a consultant that they want to come talk to them about pricing models. And that's why that's not up there because they don't have the money to hire the consultant yet. Obviously that's just a random guess, but I, I wonder if a lot of these things that seem like they should be answered and aren't are because they need the money to figure out the answers to those questions. And I wonder if they'd be better off admitting that. I don't know. Uh, and then the other thing was about if this is like a Steam type product, which actually makes perfect sense to me. As soon as Alex uh, said that, it made sense. Steam, I, I mean, I get the impression from that, or like even console gaming, like the consoles, they're always loss leaders. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that they make up the money on the back end from the games, either with Steam or with the console. Maybe that's what they're. I mean, that's certainly what they're planning to do with this, but they are a much smaller company than would normally do a loss leader type strategy. I would think basically they're not enormous. So, I mean, that's pretty ambitious to them to be trying to do something like that uh, at all. Uh, let alone, you know, a company that's as small as trapdoor is. I'm kind of going off of that. You know, if, if part of, the the confusion on you know the pricing model they're going to use is they're going to use some of this four hundred twenty five thousand dollars to bring in a consultant to help them figure it out. I, I feel like we need to be told this up front. You know, again, it goes back to where is all this money going? You know, is it is it paying them because of what the work that they did when they were working with Wizards of the Coast and they didn't get actually paid for it? Um, is it paying software developers? Is it paying to try and lessen the costs? on the consumer later on? Um, is it used to bring in consultants to try and figure out their payment model? You know, what is it being used for? And, you know, why don't I know how much I'm going to have to pay for this if I'm already supporting it? So it's, it, I, I don't know. I feel like it's inexcusable to not be able to even tell me how much I'm going to pay for the product. They should be able to, to figure that out. And if they can't, then why are they having a Kickstarter if they can't even figure that much out so far? Mm-hmm. It, I, I feel like their, their Kickstarter is a little premature. I, and I feel like this is potentially, you know, these types of issues are maybe why they they lost their contract with Wizards of the Coast. Well, and I think they're probably, they're in between a rock and a hard place. They don't necessarily have everything figured out, but they probably also want to strike while the iron is hot. 
and while they're in the collective consciousness of the the gaming world you know um this is also a a hard time of year to be asking for money certainly um true you know uh but i also wonder maybe people are buying it and they're planning on giving it to friends and that sort of thing i i like the people at trapdoor i really want them to succeed uh but i also want them to succeed because you know they're putting out a great product that everybody wants and and you know everybody wants to see um and i do think there is a little bit of a question mark there right now especially since you know we don't know if they're gonna be able to have 5e because of the ogl and right now they're sort of known in that world of 5e players that's who really knows them which is why you see them pushing when the ogl is out we will support it if we can because they want people to know they're going to do everything they can but you know ultimately in the end it may not be up to them i think it is it's hard uh and i've seen a lot of people who don't play Pathfinder donating a small amount because they want to see the project succeed, but they can't justify spending more because they don't know that they would use the product if it only ever supports Pathfinder. Um, you know, so I think all of these questions that you guys have are certainly questions the community at large has, and probably questions the people at Trapdoor have themselves. Um, just some of the things that I have to say about it that I haven't been able to mention before is. I feel like uh, there's so much opportunity to do things the right way, and I feel like they're going about things the wrong way. I really want them to succeed, but from what I've seen so far, I don't think they will. Um, just going on on Reddit, on our D&D and our RPG, um, most of the posts about Codename Morningstar and Dungeons Keep have been downvoted, so obviously they're not getting visibility on two really big, you know, platforms for them. I follow like a thousand people on Twitter, and I have like seven hundred and fifty followers, mostly all related to you know RPGs and whatnot. And I've seen almost nothing about it on my Twitter feed. Um, I haven't seen anything about it on Facebook. I haven't seen anything about it like anywhere else. And I'm just like, where is your visibility? If you're not reaching out to these people online, how are they going to know about you? And how are they going to know about your Kickstarter? Um, they're doing their Kickstarter in in December. They started it on like a weekend. Um, you know, they're they're just they're not doing well marketing themselves. And if you're not marketing yourself well, you're not getting that visibility, and you're just not. It's hard to succeed. Um, and I feel like it kind of ends up like certain game stores where game stores aren't run by business people. They're run by gamers who don't know how to run a business. And I feel like that's what's happening right now. They're trying to run it like gamers for gamers instead of business people for gamers. So that's kind of what I have to say about that. Uh, yeah, I agree with a lot of that, uh, especially the thing about it doesn't seem like they have like a business person stepping in. But a lot of the reaction when Wizards announced they weren't going to be continuing with Dungeonscape wasn't, oh, no, that sounded so cool. I was really looking forward to Dungeonscape. It was more, oh, geez, Wizards, they're always messing up with their online tools. And I think that in itself speaks for a lot of what of codename Morningstar was at the time and is going to be remembered as, as this Kickstarter comes forward. They should have been much more clear in their video about what it is. They should have had, a, it should have just been a tutorial of someone sitting at the table and playing it and us watching over their shoulder of what it is instead of people at a table doing it simultaneously. I still don't know what exactly it is and what I can do. And that's a huge issue if you're going to make a Kickstarter. And um, to John's earlier point about maybe the goal being so high because it's supposed to pay their wages, I feel like that's kind of 
against the spirit of Kickstarter in some ways, for an indie project at least, I can expect someone like Double Fine, Pillars of Eternity, or some huge project, if you're already well-known, to, to ask for that huge amount. But this is a risky product. Uh, you should be willing to take the risk and maybe wait until you start getting purchases before you start living a better, more, I guess, reasonable kind of life. I think it is hard. And I think one of the big things that I saw people tweeting at Morningstar was that it was unclear, that they weren't sure what the product was, that they needed more information. I know that they've added a lot to the the FAQ since they have gone up just two days ago because they're trying to clarify everything that they're doing. So, But I think the fact that it still is a little vague is worrisome to a lot of people and also makes another different handful of people not want to back if they're not sure what they're going to get. I I think there's a, there's the classic Kickstarter debate about whether people who are well-known slash companies that are well-known should even be using Kickstarter in the first place. Uh, I mean, obviously I I think quote unquote studies have shown that, uh, you know, big projects, uh, even if they're uh, big projects that are already backed by big companies or by big, big famous people, uh, they bring more attention to Kickstarter, and that 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 helps smaller things succeed. But I, I I don't I don't know that I agree with you that just because they aren't a big company, they shouldn't be asking f- to pay their employees. Like they want to make a good product, and they are themselves a business. Maybe that means that Kickstarter is not the place for them. I don't know, but. Uh, I, I just don't think I can agree that they sh- shouldn't be paying for quality people. I mean, it ultimately it's a it's a technology company. It's in the it's in the name, right? And you need to pay top tier people if you want a top tier product. There's there's really no two ways about it. You know, with digital products, right? I mean, if you're making Flappy Bird, fine. You don't need a whole team, but like if you're not doing that, you need to be paying people the right amount of money, or you're, you're going to get garbage. So uh, maybe that just means that this can't ever work, but that's just my thought process on it. Well, guys, our final question this evening at the roundtable is, will you back this product? And let us start with you, Rudy Basso. No. All right. Allison Rossi. Well, I don't back Kickstarters in general, so no. Oh, all right. John Fisher. If there is information about the OGL before the end of this Kickstarter, I will back this Kickstarter. Otherwise, probably not. And Alex? Before this podcast, I was pretty sure I knew what this was, and it seemed cool, but now with people bringing up their questions, it's a little more, I guess, concerning. But it seems like it could be something uh, that has potential to be awesome. So maybe I'll throw some money in. I don't know. I'm going to wait to see if it's going to be successful. I have a perfect record on Kickstarter. I don't want to lose that. (laughs) I believe in the potential of this product, and I do believe they are passionate and they want to get it to a place where it's going to be really cool. Uh, And so I am definitely going to go ahead and throw a few shekels their way. Um, But I do think that all of the concerns that have been brought up today are very valid. Uh, you know, and, and hopefully maybe they'll come on the show and we can get some of those concerns answered or hear a little bit about what this product actually is. Uh, so where can people find you, Rudy Basso? Hey, you can follow me on Twitter at Rudy Basso, R-U-D-Y-B-A-S-S-O. And hey, listen to the latest D&D V&G podcast, which, if things went correctly, was released on Friday. 
We played Temple of Elemental Evil, and did we like it? I don't know. You'll have to listen and find out. Uh, it's my new favorite podcast, so everybody should definitely check that out. Uh, Allison Rossi, where can people find you? Well, you can mostly find me on Twitter, uh, the little at symbol, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-R underscore 91. So Allison R underscore 91. Or you can find my group. We stream uh, on twitch.tv. We stream 3.5E on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that's twitch.tv slash padfoot240. Uh, John Fisher, where can people find you? They can find me tweeting every couple of months on the last Fisher or at the last Fisher on twitter.com and uh, also pretending to be Rudy Basso on the internet. Excellent. What? What? <laughs> uh, Alex Basso, <laughs> where can uh, people find you? You can find me at Twitter at uh, yo underscore Alex Basso. This week, I'm going to tweet my first tweet. I swear. Nice. And. Yeah, so I'm I can sure that's. You. I mean, that's, that's going to get a lot Alex. of people to follow me. Uh, Alex, and, I mean, yeah. don't strain yourself. It's. I don't know what to say. It's the first thing. It's the most important. You set the tone don't for your entire time. Right listen there. to my podcast that I co-host with that's, my brother. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's or a you could retweet any of the numerous tweets I've tagged you in. I don't know how to do that, but I'll figure it out, and then I'll do it. You click the retweet button. It's really easy. <laughs> well, I haven't had the motivation to sign in for the past three weeks. Oh I got signed out somehow. <laughs> it's it's a tough. This Twitter's tough. Alex Basso, if you could sell anything else as well as you just sold yourself, I think we could all make a lot of money. And Trapdoor Technologies should hire you. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. If you have a question or topic you'd like to hear us discuss on the roundtable, reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at James Intracasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Or you can leave us a comment on the Tome Show's website, thetomeshow.com. And a quick shameless plug for me, check out my blog, which is all about exploration age it's the fifth edition world that i'm building it's at worldbuilderblog.me okay everyone thanks for listening and thanks to rudy allison john and alex our theme music which you're listening to right now was composed by eric michaels don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on amazon or DD classics to help support the show and if you like the show please rate the tome show on itunes and like us on facebook Keep on rolling and keep on listening to the round table.